The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. The next stop on the Star City Games Open Series is coming up this weekend in Cincinnati, Ohio. On February 11th and 12th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out in the standard Legacy and Draft Opens and compete for the glory, the cash, and all the benefits of moving up in the ranks of the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Cincinnati, and we'll see you there. Welcome to episode 96 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe, and I'm joined as always by Joey Pasco. Joey Pasco, and we are here today to talk about all sorts of cool stuff going on in Magic: The Gathering. Uh, well, for instance, uh, I was at the pre-release a couple weeks ago. I know I wasn't on the show last week, but uh, I did pre-release. Um, and how, how was, uh, how was last week? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Last yeah. week we, we had Cranny on, at, uh, from In Contention. So if you missed last week's episode, go back and check it out. It was a really cool, fun ep- episode. We, uh, talked a lot about what we were excited about for standard, uh, with, uh, with the new Dark Ascension cards that are now legal. So. Uh, 30 second summary. What are you excited about? Um, I'm excited about the possibility of mono black control. Or even mono black aggro to a lesser extent, um, and uh, I guess I'm kind of excited to see what Huntmaster of the Fells does in standard, and if he, or like the kind of the role he plays. I guess I'm just excited to see where where cards like Huntmaster end up, or uh, Havengul Lich. I think. Yeah, yeah, Havengul Lich is a really interesting card. I like. I can see why it's good, mm-hmm. but. I I can't see myself ever playing it. It's one of those cards. I don't know why. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, it just looks like it has potential, and I kind of want to see where it ends up. I wonder if it'll do something like Consecrated Sphinx did, which is, like, everybody was like, well, that would be good if there weren't Titans. And then a couple months later, people were like, oh, hey, that's good. (laughs) That's a good card. We should probably uh, be playing that. So, right. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but uh, the the other thing uh, I'm excited about is Evolving Wilds giving us the opportunity to stretch our mana bases for decks like Grixis and uh, potentially even more than three color control. I guess is the the best way to put that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could. I mean, because I know people were trying those deck like four and five color decks already, right? Exactly. Yeah, we had Jerry and Michael Jacob and uh, players like that playing four and five color control, and now we have Evolving Wilds. That will really uh, help, I think, those kind of decks. Now, the the question is, you know, how how good are those decks in the new format? You know, if they have perfect mana, are they still as good? You know, what's the format going to look like, and do we even need that kind of thing? But, of course, I'm I'm definitely... I'm definitely excited to see that, to see kind of where things go 
with the the control decks. I go from like one end to the other. I'm like I'm excited about you know more than three color control or mono black control. <laughs> like not two color control. That's just the only one I'm not excited about. I guess because you know blue black has uh, kind of just been around and I have been playing it, so that's not so exciting. And same kind of with blue white, although I haven't been playing it myself. You know, I guess I'm excited to see more of the more sh- either stretching of the mana bases or just the return of a mono black control deck. And uh, I, I I feel like the tools are there for mono black control. So. Isn't isn't it sad that uh, playing Shimmering Grotto for six months makes Evolving Wilds feel like perfect mana? I, it is kind of funny. <laughs> it is kind of funny when you think like how excited people are about Evolving Wilds, which when it was first printed, people were like, "It's isn't that just Terramorphic Expanse that we kind of only occasionally play?" And like you know, everybody kind of shrugged before right. with uh, with Terramorphic Expanse and Evolving Wilds. Uh, but now, because we don't have fetch lands, because we don't have so many uh, – I mean, we do have a lot of dual lands, but it just seemed like we had so many more color fixers before, especially when we had Shards of Alara block in Standard. Uh, there were so many mana fixers with you know, tri-lands, right. things like that. So here we are in a situation where something as simple and – uh, sort of unexciting as Evolving Wilds is actually exciting. <laughs> right. I hate I hate Shimmering Grotto. I feel dirty every time I try using it. It's just... I hate using that card. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that still sticking around in some of those decks, but it's not going to be as, uh, as important. Excuse me, as important, I think. Sure. Um, all right, so I guess we should move on to talking about uh, the event this weekend, right? The event this coming weekend or the event this past weekend? This past weekend in Richmond. Oh, oh, oh the Super Bowl. Oh, that wasn't in Richmond. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. No? Did you Not watch at all. The, did you watch the Superb Owl? No. I uh, went to go see Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It was really good. Yeah, I did see your tweet about that, I think. <laughs> the Super Bowl was really good, too. I was, well, I was happy with the Super Bowl. I'm happy that the Patriots did not win. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that Eli Manning now has more Super Bowl rings than Peyton Manning. Uh, but overall, like, the game itself didn't really interest me all that much. It was a very, very good game. Um, I'm know, sure it, it was, down yeah. to literally the last play and uh, had one of the craziest kind of touchdowns I've ever seen where the team that scored the touchdown looked like they were emotionally confused whether or not they should be excited that they scored the touchdown. <laughs> uh, I know that sounds weird and I don't know if you heard about it, but there was, you know, the giants were on like the, you know, the five yard line or something uh, of the Patriots. And there was the, the clock was ticking down and the Patriots just opened right up for, uh, I think Brandon Jacobs, you know, took the ball ran forward and he was told to stop at the one and but the Patriots just opened right up and so he lost his balance and kind of fell into the end zone <laughs> it was the weirdest thing because it's like hey we scored crap <laughs> so anyway they didn't want to give they didn't, they, they didn't want to give the ball back, back. right That's they did so not want to give the ball back the Patriots actually made a very strategic you know it, and it's not a surprise because Belichick is pretty much a genius even though I Hate him. Um, <laughs> no, I don't hate him. But yeah, even though Belichick is uh, – Belichick's a genius, so I wasn't surprised at that kind of 
play. And I think uh, it was definitely the right call strategically, but it seems so weird because even, you know, the Patriots are confused. They're like, we just let them score. Yay. (laughs) Like, this is weird. Nobody really knew how to feel, like, exactly how to feel. But anyway, there was another event this past That's really weird. Yeah. You'll have to, like, catch it on SportsCenter or something. Um, Yeah, so there was another event this past weekend in Richmond, Virginia. Yes. The Star City Open Series, of course. And um, my prediction wasn't exactly accurate. Well, I don't know. Hmm. My prediction was... 14 of the top 16 decks being white-based aggro. So let's see how right I was. Um, I know I was wrong. I can I can tell you just off the top of my head because I know there were three mono green lists in the top 16, so that immediately, uh, you know, yeah. makes, makes my argument invalid, which I'm excited about. That's so, a good reason to be wrong. Right? You, you, this is one of those predictions where you want to be wrong, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Of I mean, course I want to be wrong. You for, know, I love magic. <laughs> exactly. And, you, and what, what did you say a couple weeks ago about green, you know? Uh, I said I, – well, I said – I was kind of half joking, but I said that, you know, the definition of a healthy format is one where you can play green and not feel like a doofus. Right. Or whatever dingus or drinkus or whatever kind of <laughs> I might have decided to use at that time, um, but uh, I mean this looks like a decently healthy format for now. You know what I mean? Right. Like I mean, this, it's this the is- first first weekend of Dark Ascension, so things are going to be exciting. They're not gonna. I don't think they're going to look like this for long because I think uh, obviously we haven't really explored this. And there's a couple factors here. First, it's the first weekend of of the set. So, you know, knowledge-wise, knowing the format, you go in go not really knowing what it's going to look like. You have a vague idea of what it looked like last week or, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, you, you Or you do have an idea of what it looked like two weeks ago, but you know that it's not going to be the same because we've got this new set. And so there's that. Then there's card availability because the cards have only been out for literally – but when the, when the tournament starts – like, you know, what, uh, 33 hours, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or right. 34 hours or something. If right. the, if the cards went on sale Thursday at midnight, you know, you have 24 hours there and then 10 hours. So 34 hours or so, you know, you, you have no time to really get the cards if you need something like four Soren. Now, if you pre-ordered your four Soren from Star City and could just pick them up at the event, you're, you're good. But you know what I mean? The card availability is definitely, uh, has some sort of effect. So there's that, that's going to, change the way things look and um so i think that's big and then a third factor that isn't always true but uh but for this event it is and and it sometimes i think falls this way and i think actually they set it up now so this is actually going to be the case going forward is that there's a pro tour coming up this weekend so all the the pros are you know theoretically brewing decks that they're not necessarily sharing and right. all the people that will go to the pro, the, you know, the articles of people like Chapin and LSV and, you know, uh, Brad Nelson and Brian Kibler, you look at their articles for advice. They're not seeing the decks that these guys are theoretically playing in the pro tour. So now, you know, after this weekend, this coming weekend, we have the pro tour and the decks that we see there are going to start showing up where they didn't show up this past weekend. Right. I mean, that's really where we're going to see the first major 
metagame shifts, you know right. what I mean? Because those are the decks that are most imitated or the ones that are, you know, top eight pro tour decks or, you know, exactly undefeated day one or whatever, right, you know? Like, so look back at the last pro tour, which was worlds. And that was mid November. That's a month and a half after Innistrad was released. Uh, how many times before worlds did you see Grixis control pop up? And then compared to how much afterwards, and that's the same exact card pool. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. Because uh, Chapin shows up with Grixis. I almost said Grixis shows up with Chapin, which I guess is accurate as well. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, Pat Chapin is the slave he, of Bolas. He rolls in with Olivia on his arm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Both yeah, and, and that sort of that sort of – maybe his girlfriend is Olivia. You know what I mean? She just – she just kind of clever disguise exactly so uh <laughs> anyway this runs deeper than we thought yeah it's, it's it's all it's a deep deep conspiracy um so yeah that, that's what i mean like you see something happen like that and the the format changes to where grixis is a pretty popular control deck it's one of the more popular control decks uh you know this is deep into the innistrad's uh release or deep or long after it's released you know what i'm saying so anyway let's look at these decks sure these uh, decks. <laughs> the event was won by nils toppengrud playing tempered steel and it's a very stock tempered steel list uh actually i would go so far as to say absolutely zero yeah i'm looking for the dark ascension cards in the zero list. cards <laughs> like... from dark ascension so he just kind of went Hey, what week is it? Oh, I don't care. I got my temper steel deck. Pull it out. Still legal, right? And it was—it's pretty smart too, because that's another thing. Go into a new format. The the best decks tend to be aggressive decks that, uh, you know, because control decks don't know what to fight exactly, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you can, you can just show up with a solid, already proven aggressive deck. Uh, you probably are in good shape, and that's clearly what uh what Nils did here. So, Niels, is it Niels or Nils? Um, I'm gonna say Nils. Okay, I'll say yeah. Niels, and that way we'll be <laughs> we'll cover our, our bets there. There we <laughs> yeah. go. That's good. I like it. Um, so then in second place we had uh, Ben Isger playing Blue White Delver. I'm gonna. I'm just yeah. clicking on these as we look at them. See anything different? What's Faith's Shield? That's the uh, the new like. Give creature uh, give a creature protection from a color, and I think if it's uh, is it the one that if you and each permanent you control gain protection from the color of your choice if you have fateful hour. Yeah, wow, it, I couldn't remember fateful hour like that. that That's keyword. Pretty awesome. If I mean, if you're playing against a monocolor deck, that basically is a fog. Uh, it's interesting. Four Geist of Saint Traft. It's a, it's a if you're playing against a monocolor deck, it's a, it's both a fog. It's kind of a cryptic command because you can just alpha strike. Um, right. You know, they, you, you can just swing in and they can't block anything if you have five or less life. Um, so, and it's basically a counter spell as well if you, you know, use it that way. Even if you don't have Fateful Hour, it's counter spell for any sort of uh, removal. Right. Um, Dungeon Geist's in the sideboard here. Uh, Travis loves this card too. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it seems really good. This so. is the one, and I, I, I talked about it last week too. Uh, you and I talked about it, and then I 
was trying to cut uh, edit our episode for time, and I cut out the section where I talked about Dungeon Geist. Oh, <laughs> no. So I talked about it last week instead, So, and I brought okay. this up, too. But anyway, I figured I'd fill you in since you didn't listen to last week's episode. Not yet. Not yet. Um, just I'm trying to scan down the list. You did mention the you know the white-based aggro prediction kind of thing, and first place and second place, you're obviously correct. Third place, we have Solar Flare, which we can look uh, look at more closely in a minute. Fourth place, Delver, uh, Blue White Delver, and uh, also notably, you were going to say, go ahead. Uh, yes, uh, in fourth place, we have Blue White Delver list played by none other than Brewport Avenue member, and uh, well, he hasn't been around as much, but um, you know, frequents the FNMs I was running at. Uh, amazing spiral charles l johnson the third listed as charles johnson on here but we affectionately refer to him by his full name <laughs> um, every time we say anything to him hey charles l johnson the third do you have any uh you know info i say it for i think i say his full name every time i talk about him to travis yeah <laughs> yeah awesome. um <laughs> but yeah uh, Charles is a great guy. He hangs out with us, uh, plays on Thursdays a lot uh, at Joe's house, and uh, and I was pretty excited to see that he was in the top eight and then the top four. Unfortunately, he did say he uh, he barely got any sleep, so uh, I'm sure that may have affected his uh, his performance on Sunday morning in the top four. And also, he played against Tempered Steel, which is typically a a bad matchup for him. Yeah, Gutschut so. doesn't do much against anything when a tempered steals out. Right. Which is a little brutal. Um, so now in fifth place, uh, and I, I want to start by giving a special shout-out right now to Todd Anderson, Brian Braun du- uh, Dwin. <laughs> you played against Brian him. Brian Braun Dwin. <laughs> you played it, against it, him in the, uh, in the Invitational, I think, didn't you? His, or, or was, yeah. No, it was at the PTQ. That's no, it. it was a PTQ down in uh, in That's Richmond. right. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's his name on Twitter? Brian Braun doing it. But uh, <laughs> so shout out to him and shout out to Maxwell Brown because these three guys all played mono green and made top 16 with it, which is great. Um, so the mono green list is going to run down this list. Obviously this is Todd Anderson's list. Um, I think they're all basically the same list. Um, this one has bellowing tangle worm, but anyway, uh, for sort of war and peace for sort of war and peace, um, <laughs> Three Phyrexian Metamorph, one Acidic Slime, one Bellowing Tangleworm, four Birds of Paradise, four Dungrove Elder, four Lanor Elves, and four Stranglerout Geist, uh, one Mutagenic Growth, okay, two Thrun the Last Troll, one Garrick the Relentless, three Garrick Primal Hunter, four Green Sun Zenith, 24 Forests. So it sounds like uh, – I'm looking at uh, Brian Brondoon's list uh, while you were reading out that one. Uh, Brian played a batter skull in place of the uh, in place of the mutagenic growth. I think that's the only difference. So he had the bellowing tangleworm as well? Yes, he did. Bellowing tangleworm. I, I have to look and remember what that does. Yeah, the green creatures – other green creatures you control have intimidate. Bellowing Tangleworm does not gain Intimidate from that ability, but he already has it, so it's all good. It's all good for the Bellowing Tangleworm. That is so weird. Like, Bellowing Tangleworm? 
Well, you can search it up with Green Suns, and oh, yeah. if, if nobody's playing green, it just basically says all yo creatures are unblockable. Yeah, and and like you said, you know about green, uh, you can here they are playing green uh, without feeling like doofuses apparently. Yeah. Uh, but it, the, if nobody's playing green, which people tend not to, that Bellowing Tangleworm is probably really really good. Uh, and yeah, it just it's just mono green aggro. I I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think the bellowing tangleworm comes out immediately if this deck shows up at all at the pro tour. You know what I mean? Like just because like if people start copying this deck, then bellowing tangleworm suddenly sucks. You know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. So yeah, or at least like maybe the one of hits the board. You know what I mean? Right. Now you mentioned sort of worn piece with four copies of it, and uh, I think really. It's weird to see that, but it's actually becoming more and more common because there is no Stoneforge Mystic around. We're so used to seeing like equipment paired with Stoneforge Mystic that you know we we can see like oh we just play one Batter Skull and four Stoneforge like in Legacy or something or you know two Sword of Feast and Famines with our Stoneforge Mystics. But now there is nothing to grab those. In standard, and so if you really want to hit your equipment, you're stuck. You better play four. So I think that's really what's happening here. Why we're seeing Sword of War and Peace be a four of, and not only that, uh, well, it's it's a four of, which is making it even more kind of its popularity has increased, and now people need more of them. You don't just need one or two copies. So now the price is you know it's thirty bucks right now. And it was like ten bucks, not too long ago. Right. Pretty crazy. Um. So now in sixth place here we have uh, Ali Antrazi playing blue black heartless summoning, which I'm sure makes West very happy. I've heard I've heard of this guy. Um, I've heard of this guy. West. Yeah, West hangs out with us every Thursday, man. No, no, no. This Ali guy. Yeah. Blue, he just he just loves playing these crazy decks. Ali Antrazi, U.S. national champion. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he always plays these kind of decks that I think people. It's like people know they exist, but they don't know if they're good enough. And Ali's like, I'll make it good enough with the Grand Architect. And uh, I mean, remember Turbo Land <laughs> a couple years ago? Like, yeah. Ali's just like. I'll do it. And so Heartless Summoning, which has really, you know, it's it's not like people had, it's not like with the mono green deck where it completely comes out of nowhere. Really? Somebody, you know, mono green's a deck? This is Heartless Summoning. Okay. So some, I know, you know, Kid and FNM's been playing this or Wes, at, you know, has been playing, trying to play this. And uh, I know like Tim McLaren's been trying to build it uh, or been working on a Heartless Summoning kind of deck. So it's like, oh, this is the card that people want to make work. Well, Ollie's like, I'll make it work. So here it is, sixth place. Let's look over the deck list here. Yeah. Uh, two Phyrexian Metamorph, four Solemn Simulacrum, two Worm Coil Engine, uh, one Frost Titan, two Havengul Lich, two Phantasmal Image, three Runescar Demon, two Sphinx of Uthun, and four Heartless Summonings, uh, two Doomblade, four Tragic Slip, two Black Sun Zenith, four Ponder, and, uh, you know, lands... A mana base. Uh, well, three pretty, buried ruins is very relevant in terms that, of like that's true. Yeah, spell lands. Right, because he's already got he's got eight artifact creatures in the deck 
that he can uh, he can get back. So he can get back his metamorph. He can get back Solemn Simulacrum, and he can get back Worm Coil Engine. Can you? Uh, you know, that's, that seems pretty good. Somebody gets rid of your Worm Coil, and you just put it back and play it again. And now you've got the six six, uh, you know, Death Touch Life Link and two Worm Tokens. It's like hope you have a Wrath. Um, yep. So uh, I, I love to see Frost Titan again, even if it's just a one of. Cool to see. Having Ghoul Lich playing that similar kind of role with the Worm Coil engine where, you know, it's in the graveyard and you just uh, get the, you know, get it right back. Right. So that's that's pretty sick. I think it's uh, funny that, uh, I mean, having Ghoul Lich obviously is just to replay your creatures. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really funny and notable uh, that not a single one of these creatures has an activated ability. An activated ability yeah. <laughs> so it's so that card is solely in there with the purpose of uh, bringing the creatures back and not for using that other ability, which I think you know it's starting to become obvious that that second ability kind of is irrelevant. Well, I think it's irrelevant right now, but I think you know the it's definitely irrelevant in this deck, and I think we brought up when we were talking about this card how that seems like the less relevant part of it, but. Who knows what kind of crazy things can happen? Because I think, if anything, um, that might be the key phrase in a deck that's built around. Or, uh, it sounds obvious, but you know, you build the deck around Havengul Lich, uh, and you might be building a deck with creatures with all activated abilities, and uh, it could be some kind of crazy combo deck. Even in something like Modern, where there's all t- you know all sorts of uh, of creatures to. To choose from. So I, I right. guess what I'm saying is I think – right, obviously in this deck it's irrelevant, but I think it could enable some sort of crazy combo deck. But let me just say it's not irrelevant in Wes's build of the deck because he also has Grand Architect. Oh, OK. So that's kind of cool. So Grand Architect – you know, having Gulich gets Grand Architect's abilities so they can – you know, he, he gets a Grand Architect back – and then he can tap the Havengul Lich and the Grand Architect straight away for four mana. Right. So, I mean, it, that's a really cool engine. Um, so I guess let's 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 wrap up this top eight or whatever. Yeah. So the, the, the final two decks in the top eight were Esper, Delver, which um, three Drog Skull Captain in this deck, which is very interesting, um, which is almost exclusively for pumping Geist of St. Traft and giving Moorland Haunt tokens hexproof and pumping those. <laughs> uh, I, I know. I just wanted to step back for a second because I thought this was the case and I just wanted to confirm it. Um, the activated ability that Grand Architect has is pay a blue target artifact creature becomes blue until end of turn. So that's not no, really but, that good. No, but, tap and untapped, tap, tap and untapped blue creature you control. Right. So, oh, you're saying so you that's can a, tap. That's an activated ability. Exactly. Right. But it's already in a, it's already a blue creature. You know, if, if you have Grand Architect on Grand Architect oh, yeah. on the table, <laughs> you already have you have that because of Grand Architect. You don't really oh, yeah. need it twice. <laughs> it, it would be awesome if they would add four, but <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. But it's still interesting because you can get it back, and then you can tap. The Havengul Lich and the Grand Architect. I mean, even if it doesn't, 
but even that, if adding the ability isn't irrelevant or is irrelevant, right. whatever. But it ends up that's not that that actually isn't like basically what I'm saying is you thought having Ghoulich's clause about gaining the activated abilities was relevant in Wes's deck because of Grand Architect, but it's not because Grand Architect doesn't do doesn't actually give you any <laughs> anything additional by having having Ghoulich gain those abilities as well. You well know, he does gain those abilities, but you don't have extra blue mana. You already can do it. Just because of Grand Architect being on now, the only time it, I guess it is relevant is if somebody kills the Grand Architect and uh, during that turn, and you, you know, you still have the Lich in play, right? Like, because it gain, gains those abilities until end of turn. Oh, uh, sorry. I guess I'm just not all smart like you. I, I, hey, look, I agreed with you, and I had to look at Grand <laughs> Architect when I started want, going. Wait a second, but uh, yeah, huh? Like, halfway through brewing up a deck list and you're like what <laughs> it doesn't work at all yeah it just doesn't it does work it, it does work do anything it doesn't it really help you that much yeah right <laughs> yeah so uh okay back to your your comments about esper delver um it's it's not exactly what i had expected there are no sorens yeah so that's a little weird um obviously has the uh has ling- to- lingering souls. It. Yeah, it has yeah. lingering souls. So basically, it looks like he added Drog Skull Captain, as you mentioned, uh, and he added lingering souls to the deck. And other than that, uh, the main deck has no other Dark Ascension cards. Sideboard has no Dark Ascension cards. So he just says, you know, just want to pump my guys, my uh, <laughs> my guys, and have some extra tokens. Like, but that's good. Like, I think that I think that's kind of a good way to to start off taking this deck in that sort of direction. If you're going to, if you're going to take Delver and update it, I think this is a, a good way to do it. You know, just slight changes. You don't just kind of minor changes. You don't want to completely blow up the entire deck. Um, Soren does seem like it would be really good in this deck, especially since you do have access to black mana. But the funny thing is like, how much access does he have? He's got uh, four dark slick shores and that's all his access to black. He doesn't have any swamps. So it's funny. You know, you call it Esper, but really it's blue-white with a splash just to play linger – just to flash back Lingering Souls. Right. You know what I mean? That's true. So it's really blue-white Delver. It's just can – it can cast Lingering Souls. Right. It is sort of odd that he chose Dark Slick Shores, I think, because – and the reason I say that is because I guess theoretically you're playing – uh you want the dark. You want a blue black land so you can flash back the lingering souls. But by the time you get the dark slick shore, by the time you have lingering souls in the graveyard, right, and you this get a dark slick shores, it's going to come into play tapped. tapped. So why wouldn't you play like drowned tapped. catacomb? Exactly. Where yeah, you that's have very six strange. islands in the deck. You know, it's much more likely to come into play untapped. I would think. And if it doesn't, it's just a dark slick shores. You right. Know? I mean, <laughs> uh, the I guess the the real the only. Benefit to it is, I mean, or the only logic I can see, which I guess this is really what it is, is how Delver wants to be able – it does not want lands coming into play tapped on the first few turns. So it it's just, you know, that's why it's playing Dark Slick Shores because it's already got four Glacial Fortress in the deck. And if it happens to have a hand of, you know, two a two-land hand with a Glacial Fortress and a Dark Slick Shores, it can't cast turn one Delver. Right. Well, that's why you got to man up and draw your island every game. Obviously, yeah. 
So it's just interesting. Or even a split or something. I don't know. I guess he just really wants to make sure that he has lands that come into play tapped. Because every – I mean come into play untapped. Because besides the Glacial Fortress, everything else comes into play untapped on those early turns. And those early turns are pretty important to the Delver decks. So that is uh, – that's my that's my guess. Wolf Run White. It's the same. Same old Wolf Run White that we've seen. Yeah. Pretty Nothing cool. changed. Literally no cards from Dark Ascension. I already looked through it. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Ninth place, Brian Brondo, we mentioned already with Mono Green. Uh, th- three Blue-White Humans decks in a row. Mark Kelso, Alex Underwood, and Dean Huang all played Blue-White Humans 10th, 11th, and 12th place. Another Tempered Steel deck in 13th. Uh, Shaheen Sarani playing Esper Control. I uh, Shaheen, again, is another guy. Just like Ali, I always have to look at his list. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you probably want to look at this. Let's uh, Let's talk about it. Yeah, so he uh Oh my god, this is su- this is this is Esper Super Friends. This yeah, is nice. It's exactly I saw him play uh posting on Twitter. He's like, I'm playing a Esper with a bunch of planeswalkers this weekend in Richmond and I just, you know, tweeted back with a heart. Uh <laughs> like he's got well, he's got Ratchet Bombs, he's got Consecrated Sphinx, he's got Snapcaster Mage, he's got three main deck curse of death sold. That's uh that's commitment. Yeah. Um, two Doomblade, two Forbidden Alchemy, two Go for the Throat. So splitting the removal there. Um, four Mana Leak, three Think Twice. And then here's the the, the Bomb Diggities, right? This, oh, no, that's just Planeswalker. Sorry, I misread that. Um, Joey? Yeah? Um, I hereby, from this point forward, banish the word Bomb Diggity from this podcast. I'm sorry. I misread the – it was in italics. I couldn't – it really looked – that's – I'm sorry. So uh, – <laughs> Bomb diggity, really? (laughs) (laughs) He's got. Oh, wow. Okay, please continue. He's got one Elspeth Terrell, two Gideon Jura. Gideon's legal? (laughs) I know, right? Gideon's in standard. One uh, cranny liberated there. Of course, I I messed up the word liberated when I tried to talk. Um, I think you messed up the word carn even worse, though, because I understood liberated. Okay. One Karn liberated, uh, three <laughs> – one Karn liberated, three Liliana of the Veil, and uh, three Soren Lord of Innistrad. So uh, there's the Sorens that we were looking for and expecting in some of their other decks. Uh, he's got three Day of Judgments and then a Mana Base, three Evolving Wilds in there. Just uh, just wanted to mention, obviously, uh, as we said – Help stretch those mana bases for the three color decks and uh, and possibly more. This is this definitely is Esper Super Friends and um, yeah, I love this. Now I, I wonder, I wonder how good this list is because I mean Shaheen's a really good player and so I think you know I, I wonder sometimes when you see a list like this and you see lists like Ali and Trazi playing and you go, oh wow, these decks are good. Um, the players are good. <laughs> the players are good. Hopefully that you know they 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 play good decks. But I think some of the some of the performance has to be attributed to the players. Right. And Shaheen plays this kind of deck a lot. I mean, he's very very uh, keen on playing a lot of planeswalkers and uh, and in control decks. So uh, looking at the sideboard, uh, he's got two Praetor's Grasp in there. Like remember that card? Yeah, so, no, right. Search your opponent's library for a card, and uh, and you can cast it. I literally had to hover over Parasoline to see what it did. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Parasoline is the, the destroy all enchantments. Now, I think that's for he. You know, he's he's kind of uh, 
setting himself up against the the tokens decks that are going to be playing yeah. and the humans decks playing like honor the pure and intangible virtue um so that's pretty cool just a one of but it is something that could really make a difference especially when he's got uh you know the well he's got curse of death's hold in the deck obviously you don't want to cast the parasoline so much when the curse of death hold that sold is in play but uh what you can do is play the parasoline and then um and then play your curse you know, follow it up with the curse. So, right. Or, you know, if the curse is really doing very little because they've got multiple, uh, you know, enchantments in play, honor of the pure and intangible virtue and that kind of thing, then the parasoline, you might just need it to, to clear those out of the way. So you can play another curse or you can deal with those creatures a little better with something like black sun Zenith, which he also has in the sideboard. Um, it's got an additional ratchet bomb, Three Geist of St. Traft in the sideboard. Um, it's cool. Praetor's Grasp. Like, I, I'm i thinking, like, what is that for? Did he expect a lot of Sorens? Like, is he going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take their Soren out of the deck? Um, mm. You know, I, obviously, he's got a – he's playing three colors. What exactly is it that he's thinking he might want to take? He's only got two in the sideboard, but – you obviously want to take something big. You don't want to be like, I've got your Delver. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think you want to take other people's <laughs> bombs. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tap my, I'll tap my, my, my swamp to activate my shimmering grotto for red and cast this shock that I stole from you. Exactly. So, uh, but Karn is a, is a good one to steal. Uh, a lot of people only play one, and if he's playing against other control decks that uh, that might pack a Karn, he could do it. I mean, really, you bring it up, bring it in against other late game decks, and uh, being able to to steal like their their bombs and then play them is pretty pretty awesome. And I'd, yeah. I'd love to talk to him if I run into him. Hopefully, maybe he'll be uh, he'll be in Cincinnati. I don't know um, this weekend, but or I could of course just ask him on Twitter. How how Praetor's grasp was for him, but that would be interesting to find out. Oh, I just actually realized something completely relevant and different. Um, Maxwell Brown's mono green list is totally different. Oh wow! Of course, the one that I didn't click on to compare it to, because I assumed well, two of them are right. The third one's probably the same. Wow! You're I just right. thought about it because I looked. This is the one I. This is the fir- only one I actually looked at last night. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I knew the other ones were pretty similar, but yeah, let me let me run this down because this this is actually a totally different take on mono green. It really and, is, yeah, yeah. Um, four sword of war and peace again, not that different in that respect. Did you say one, sword of war and G? Sword. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes, regulators. and then he has yeah four regulators, um, four Dungrove Elder. No, um, okay, creatures. One Avacyn's Pilgrim. For some reason, I guess fifth birds of paradise. Four four birds of paradise because five is illegal. Four Dungrove Elder. Four Lanawar Elves. Lanawar Elves. Avacyn's uh, Pilgrim is also the fifth Lanawar Elves, kind of. You know, that's true. Probably more so. But they, um, it, it adds white, which is which. You know what I mean? It, all these spells are green. So does it doesn't have does it have any way to to take advantage of white in the main deck? I'm, I know uh, you're still running down the list. I didn't mean to like not main or side. You. No, it's fine. Not main or side. I just looked. Okay. So it's literally just a it's another a color, adding a colorless really. 
Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay, go ahead. Um, two Predator Ooze, which this card is really cool if you haven't seen this card yet. It's a three green, and it's a one one ooze. It's a rare from Dark Ascension. It's indestructible. Whenever it attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Whenever a creature dealt damage by Predator Ooze this turn dies, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Yeah. Flores kind of insane. It's kind of really insane, actually. Like, um, we were doing kind of like a pack you know, or pick order thing, just kind of killing time at uh, at Lloyd's shop mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago um, at Alternate Worlds, and um, he had a pack, and he was like, you know, what, what card would you pick? And there was a foil predator ooze in there. We we all read it. We were like, oh my god, that! <laughs> like, <laughs> we picked that for sure. Um, it's a crazy card. I I think I want. I actually kind of think I want to build this version of this deck if I were to build one of these, just because this is weirder. Yeah, well, uh, it's yeah. I I could see that being like, I could see you doing something like that. Predator you can Ooze. see the appeal for me, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike Flores wrote about Predator, Predator Ooze in his uh, article from Friday. Um, uh, you should check that out. But it, it's, it's definitely – it's it's one of those creatures – it reminds me of scavenging ooze and I guess that's partly because it's an ooze. But it, I wonder – it feels like it might be one of those creatures that you don't realize how good it is or annoying it is until you're playing against it. You know, you look at it and you're like, it's a 1-1 one, one for 3. Okay, it's indestructible. How much does that matter? But then when it's one sitting across from you and you're like, I don't really think I have a way to deal with that. Like, it, if it keeps it keeps getting bigger, for one thing, it, the first time it attacks, it's a two-two, and you right. block, uh, you know, block with a, you know, something that that doesn't die. You know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but you don't kill the use unless you have something with infect, or death touch. Death touch doesn't even work. Um, so you need something like with infect to really or, you, or dismember. Target. Right, you, you need just, dismember. Right, dismember can work, or even uh, what's it called? Tragic slip will work. Yeah, but right, which which are relevant. That's definitely relevant. I'm just Tragic trying to. Very here, relevant. Yeah. yeah, I'm sitting here going, okay, so what? You know, the the removal spells that we've seen. Dismember is one that we haven't seen a lot of recently. Now there there are two in this deck, but I mean, green doesn't have removal spells, so dismember makes total sense in this deck. Right. Um, but you know, we haven't seen a lot of dismembers, and tragic slip we're getting, so that's good. They're in the same set. And that's that's probably partly due to you know or the fact that they're in the same set helps limit it a little bit too because there's no dismember in uh in Innistrad block. So uh it's gonna help, you know, the limited environment and also block constructed. Uh because you and there's no infect in in Innistrad block either. So you need some way to deal with predator ooze. Uh but you know, really when I'm sitting here thinking I have I'm playing like blue black control or or Grixis control. It's like I need dismember, which I'm not even playing in my current list, uh, or tragic slip, which I probably will play. I haven't actually built it yet, but uh, uh, black sun zenith helps. But it just seems like you need very specific cards. I have like go for the throats and doom blades, do nothing. It, it's just I wonder how annoying it would be to play against. You know, because yeah. it does it does it's a very narrow. Uh, Kind of, it, it needs a very specific kind of removal spell to deal with it. And every time it's attacking, it's just getting bigger. And right. you know, scavenging ooze, if you guys 
you know, I referenced that and you're wondering what that is. That's the card that was in the commander decks. Uh, that's it's a two two for a green and one, and you can pay a green to remove spells from remo- remove spells from graveyards. And if it's a creature, uh, then it gets a plus one plus one counter. So it keeps growing, and it also gains you a life. Um, so it right. keeps keeps growing, and um, and it also you know is relevant in life gain a little bit there. But I, I just know Travis was playing scavenging ooze against me, and it's just so irritating because i'm like i have snapcaster mage and it does nothing if he has green up you know but okay we can move on but predator ooze does seem like an interesting card and one that we may see more of yeah agreed uh definitely worth keeping in mind um let's see and then we've got four skin shifter which is great Mm -hmm. um for those of you who can't remember what the hell that card does because you haven't played with it since uh, M12 Limited. Uh, it's a green and one. It's a human shaman, and you can pay a green to choose one. Until end of turn, Skin Shifter becomes a 4-4 Rhino and gains Trample. Or until end of turn, Skin Shifter becomes a 2-2 Bird and gains Flying. Or until end of turn, Skin Shifter becomes a stupid 0-8 Plant. It doesn't have the word stupid on it. <laughs> Activate this ability only once each turn. Um, so, I mean, that's a really neat, diverse card, um, and it seems funny to equip it with a sort of War and Peace and make it a 210. Um, <laughs> well, it sits and blocks uh, opposing Predator Oozes for eight turns in a row before <laughs> before uh, dying, I guess, and then right. playing the Predator Ooze just one more time. But it gives you eight <laughs> turns to find an answer for that Predator Ooze. And hopefully you will. Yeah. Um, four strangle root geist, and then three wolf bitten captive. And this is actually the card that made me remember that we didn't go over this list. Um, so uh, <laughs> an interesting uh, aggressive green creature um, that uh, I think you know we'll see more of, especially if mono green continues to do well, um, and if not. Obviously, in some sort of uh, wolf deck, you know, in the next month. Yeah, I mean, almost guaranteed. So it's it, there's a lot of comparisons to uh, Basking Rootwalla. Yes, because it's very similar. And the the thing that it also helps in those werewolf decks is that you can um, you can play it like say turn one, and then turn two, uh, don't play a spell and just pay the two and attack with it. You know what I mean? And you're not playing a spell, so it'll flip. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so it seems to it, – it's definitely good where – in the wolf decks where you you can use your mana for something and and not cast a spell so that your werewolves flip. Yeah, it really seems to be one of the few uh, werewolf cards that's actually – just fine on either side. Yeah, you're right. It's you know being a, a basking root walla isn't isn't too bad. Right. So notably for myself, uh the first instance of mono red in this open was twentieth place. Uh, piloted by Kevin Heath. There's some pretty stock, but it has two hex parasite and one molten steel dragon. In addition to the, uh, you know, the usual suite of creatures, um, one ancient grudge main, which I would almost say is too few. Uh, I run two main 
in the deck I'm playing. Of course, uh, I don't even know if I told you about this. I've been playing a. Re- I played a really interesting mono red deck this Friday at uh, at Spiral. You played with it or against it? Played with it. Okay, what's it? What, what what's it? <laughs> what's what's it? it? <laughs> what's what's it? What's it got? Yeah. What cards uh, it got? What's it? Um. Okay, so uh, the list I played at F and M was was way different than what I've played before. Um, it's something I was toying with a little while ago, uh, but it wasn't all. I didn't think it was that great then, but right now it feels like it's a little more well positioned. So anyway, let me just read this down to you. Okay. Um, three curse of pierced heart. <laughs> Already, you're like, yeah. oh. wait, I need to hover over that one. <laughs> Is that the one that's like doubles the damage? Is that that one? No, it's no, it's uh, Innistrad. It's a red and one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know. It, Curse at the beginning of Enchanted Player's upkeep, it deals one damage to that player. Okay, that sounds now, right. I, that, yeah. That's an interesting card. Not good. Like, did not like it. Not not going to be playing it going forward. But oh, okay, uh, okay. But it was in the deck, and it wound up getting sided out for Grim Lavamancers every game. So guess what it becomes? Um, <laughs> three Desperate Ravings, four Brimstone Volley, and I'm just going through the deck, so it might be a little out of order. Uh, three Gut Shots. Four Shrine of Burning Rage, four Chandra's Phoenix, four Faithless Looting, uh, four Incinerate, two Ancient Grudge, um, three Whip Flare, yeah, like um, uh, three Slag Storm, and I think that's pretty much yeah that's everything. And then it has four Rootbound Crag, four Sulfur Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can flash back the faithless looting. Yeah, and uh, three. I mean, I meant faithless looting or desperate ravings. Desperate ravings. That's, that's right. What I, that's what I meant. <laughs> I knew what you meant. That's why I agreed with you. But yeah, uh, yeah. Like, wait a second. Faithless looting. It's not blue. Go ahead. So then, my sideboard um, for you know for the day was uh, another, the fourth slag storm, four grim lava mancer, three traitorous blood, two ratchet bomb, two ancient grudge, and three mana barbs. So how'd it do? How'd it play? Um, well, it seemed to do pretty well. Uh, it's really great. The interaction, I mean, both rounds where I won, I won in game three with a shrine for 12. <laughs> wow. Because, I mean, you think about it, um, Faithless Looting and Desperate Ravings, especially relevant is Desperate Ravings and Ancient Grudge too, because even though you're paying a different color mana to flash them back, they're red spells when you flash them back, so you can... Yeah counter again so lots of flashback spells and just really abusing the shrines and protecting them once you have three mana leaving it up you know what i mean like yeah i really like like you you mentioned that on thursday when i was there and it was something i never really thought about i guess because i'm not playing shrines of any color so you know flashback isn't something i'm really thinking about working with shrine but i wondered that may be very very relevant in the the red decks that kind of we see going forward because we already know how good Shrine is, but if if your red spells can count as you know, can, you can cast them twice, you know, mm-hmm. by flashing them back, like you mentioned, Faithless Looting, uh, Ancient Grudge, those are cards that are going to see see play. And uh, you know, if your deck's heavy red or all red, um, Shrine may be may have gotten better. Yeah, it sounds yeah. sounds strange, but Shrine actually may be better. Well, I mean, using I mean, having access to any sort of draw spells in mono red is a blessing. Yeah. Having access to red spells that 
you know, actually do other stuff. Like, for instance, one of the interactions I didn't quite catch on to until I was actually playing with the deck. Because mm-hmm. I played literally two games with Travis testing this deck. And I was like, okay, screw it. We'll play it. You know, yeah. it's effing. It'll be fun. I want to try something new mm-hmm. on the first day of New Standard. So... Um, one of the things I didn't catch on to fast enough, if I did, they would have immediately made the main deck, but Faithless Looting just activates Grim Mancer every time. Even if you have just Faithless Looting in hand and you have a Lavamancer out, you oh, go, right. I'll use my Faithless Looting, put two cards in my graveyard, and my Lavamancer's active. Now, did you, I can't remember if you said uh, Chandra's Phoenix in there? Yeah, Chandra's okay. Phoenix is the, uh, on Friday was the only main deck creature. Wow, yeah. See, that's awesome. Like, I think that's another great card that interacts with Faithless, faithless Looting. Oh, and, yeah. And I had so many times where I went, Faithless Looting, discard two Chandra's Phoenixes, burn you, get back my two Chandra's Phoenixes. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty sick. It is really <laughs> sick, actually. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, you're, you're trying to make me want to play Mono Red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, or play Heavy Red. I mean, it's like a Mono Red control deck. I mean, it's it's interesting in that way. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, so obviously we just spent a lot more time on this uh, on these standard results than I than we expected. Uh, yeah, but that's a- that's to be expected, really. You know, like we went into this thinking we were going to talk about a lot of stuff, but standard is really the main thing right now, you know, what's new in standard, you know, right. um, apparently not much new going on in legacy because legacy was won by James Allen playing burn. Right. And second then- straight, uh, legacy open, uh, where burn wins. And guess what, Joey, guess what deck I'm going to build for legacy mono white, um, infect. Weathered, weathered wayfarer mono white infect. Yeah. Mono white slivers. Mono white slivers. Okay. Mono white silvers. Um, <laughs> no, I, burn obviously wins. So if you're just looking at first place, that's that's what you see. Like, oh, it, it burn won again. This this is getting out of hand. Can we ban mountain? Um, the uh, obviously nobody is actually thinking that. Uh, <laughs> but what I think is actually cool when you start look running down this list, look at the. Look at the diversity here, and look at the. Oh thing. yeah, no, look I'm at not. I'm second not. place, second place is Affinity. Where has that been? And we I got know. Rug Delver, Jesse Hatfield, uh, playing that. So, Bandstone Blade is a deck we've seen plenty. Uh, but Grixis Tempo in what? fifth place. Wow, what, what is that? that? Yeah, I'm gonna right? see what the heck like this Dark is. Dark Confidant, Delver of Secrets, Snapcaster Mage. It's basically a Delver deck. It's a Grixis right. Delver deck instead of a Rug Delver deck. Yeah. Um, hmm. But that looks that looks really cool. I mean, having the Dark Confidant there is pretty cool. Um, the cool thing is Dark Confidant and Delver of Secrets want to kind of play together. You know, like they seem they, they're they're you want to set up the top of your library for both cards. Sure. Wow, a couple interesting things in the Affinity deck. The Affinity deck has three Stoneforge Mystics, mm-hmm. uh, four Glinthawk uh, in Legacy, right? And for Glimpse of Nature. Wow. Yeah, that's Glimpse not, of Nature. Yeah, what the hell? That's pretty awesome. That's actually really good. I can see, you know, being able to play all your guys for free and draw cards. I feel like I've seen Glimpse of Nature and Affinity before, but so I So do I. Can't, but it's man, been a while. <laughs> yeah. That's kinda great. I mean look at and look at the um the artifact lands. There aren't even that many artifact lands. Two ancient den, one seat of the synod, and two tree of tails. Wow. 
that's like it's such a strange mix. You know what I mean? You're used to seeing like like the great furnaces, maybe maybe the Volta whispers, but no, this is like a what? It's <laughs> like a Bant affinity list. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's pretty much Bant affinity. That's crazy. It's really strange. Wow. In sixth place, we had Tezzeret control, which is usually it's Tezzeret affinity. That's where you see Tezzeret, but he uh, Jeff McAleer. No, but this is like is uh, this this looks like a fun Tezzeret deck to me. <laughs> He's got well two Chrome Mocks, two Ensnaring Bridge, one Graph Digger's Cage, four Sensei's Divining Top, three. Why does Sword it of the say Mage. not currently legal in Legacy next to it? I guess it's just a weird <laughs> thing. Uh, <laughs> Graph Digger's Cage was not banned. Um, Fourth Opter Foundry, three Sword of the Meek, so he's got that combo there. Sensei's Divining Top obviously is awesome. Um, he's got one Humility, four Brainstorm, three Enlightened Tutor, four Force of Will, four Source of Plowshares, three Mox Opal, three Jace, the Mind Sculptor, three Tezzeret, and uh, some Ancient Den, some Artifact Lands. He's got Ancient Den, Seed of the Synod, Vault of Whispers. Uh, it just looks like a really fun Tezzeret control kind of list, you know? Yeah, and this is, this is really interesting because it's not... Uh... You know, the original Tezzeret. Usually you see Tezzeret control. Right, or, like Tezzerator kind of thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like There I, were Tezzeret decks with the – I forgot there was another Tezzeret. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean usually you're either going to see Tezzeret Agent of Bolas in – Like Affinity uh, or something. In Affinity or, you know, the original Tezzeret – was it Tezzeret the Seeker? I can yeah. barely remember. Yeah, uh, like Harry Potter. Right. Sure. Um, <laughs> in, you know, in like a Tezzerator list, but this is the first we've really seen of like a this – is, this is a new archetype. I mean this is neat. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is another new archetype in Legacy. We've got a, a Pox deck in 10th place. Uh, Goblin shows up again in uh, in the top eight, by the way. I didn't mean to skip over that, but uh, – yeah. Ben Friedman playing Blue-White Stoneblade. I think that deck is sewn to his wrist. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I would, but these are the cards I've been dealt, man. <laughs> like, That's right. I can't play any other cards, any other deck. Uh, sneak and show. You know, the, some of these are, you know, in the rotating metagame that is Legacy. You know, they show up. There's a combo elves in 18th place. Um, but, yeah, there's a, another Belcher. We saw Belcher not long ago. I guess, was it last? It may have been, you know, the last open series that we saw Belcher. But if not that one, it was, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um Ad nauseum's there. This is a really uh this is a really diverse field here and just looking at the top twenty five decks. Um so of course we can look at the top thirty two if I click the next page. Another Tesseract control deck actually in uh in twenty six with David Gearhart. Now he's a guy who actually has played Tesseract Control in the past. Um and I, I wonder if I think he kind of designed this list. I bet you that the uh that the other guy either worked with Gearheart on that, or uh, or was definitely influenced by it. Jeff McAleer. I don't know if uh, I, I've never seen his name before. Or I don't recognize his name, but he may have worked closely with David Gearheart's list because uh, they're very similar, uh, not identical, but similar. Gearheart has contamination. In I the deck, know that's what I'm looking right? at right now. Which wow. I'm like, what does that do again? It's a black and two enchantment from uh, Urza's Saga. It's a rare uh -huh. during your upkeep, sacrifice a creature or sacrifice contamination. Whenever a land is tapped for mana, it produces black instead of its normal type and amount. So it kind of uh, it's kind of a funny black blood moon. Yeah, <laughs> it's in a, in a way, but it also. Uh, and with Thopter's Sword, you have no problem sacking those creatures. Exactly. Yeah, you're, it's not a problem, really. But the funny thing is, 
<laughs> Blood Moon doesn't require you to sacrifice creatures. True. <laughs> it's kind of funny how uh, how different that is. I know, it's almost like Blood Moon's too strong. Let's put it in black and make give it like a really high upkeep. You know, of sacrificing a creature and that that'll that will fix Blood Moon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, but otherwise, it's a ve- it's it's pretty much an identical list. Obviously, he must have. He made room for that contamination by moving something out of the deck, but I haven't exactly figured out what it is. Um, but yeah, so Gearheart uh, uh, has has been known to play decks that look similar to this. I remember even back last year uh, seeing him with a list like this. I think in Boston, I want to say. Yeah, this this legacy top thirty two is actually really cool. There's a painted stone deck in twenty seventh. It's just cool. It's, there's a reanimator. You know, these are decks that we see. Reanimator was all over the place before. What happened? <laughs> it's it's the first appearance of it is in twenty ninth place. That's wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Grafter's Cage, I'm sure has really kept people honest playing that deck. You know. Well, it's kept. I guess people maybe didn't play the people that may have normally played it may have been scared off by Grafdigger's Cage or just maybe not even Grafdigger's Cage. Maybe just the fact that uh, everybody's kind of aware that Reanimator is a deck, and so they're uh, tuning their sideboards with that in mind. Like Reanimator is something I might play, so Reanimator gets has more of a target on its back. So that's that's my guess, but. Uh, pretty exciting actually that, that legacy, that legacy top 32. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, the draft opens, uh, by the way, were won by Shaheen Sarani and James Buckingham, who I've actually, uh, traveled back from a PTQ with. And, uh, he's a real cool guy. He's one of, uh, one of Brendan's friends. Oh, cool. I recognize the name. So yeah, we spent pretty much the whole episode going over Richmond. Uh, would, let's uh, let's I guess should probably get ready to wrap things up. But uh, before we do, I guess let's let's see. This weekend we have the Pro Tour. The um, if you haven't seen on the on Facebook Magic the Gathering, uh, there's like a Magic the Gathering Pro Tour Fantasy Draft. On I guess the official magic page. I'm not exactly sure how to find it because I was invited into it. So uh, right, but just go onto Facebook. Probably type in Magic the Gathering. Let's let's see what happens. Magic. I'm gonna do it right now. Magic the Gathering Fantasy Pro Tour game, uh, and that will probably find it. So yeah, if you haven't seen this, there's they kind of modeled it a little bit after fantasy football, where you get to pick. Cards that you think are going to show up in the in the top decks from uh, from the Pro Tour this coming weekend, and um, kind of get to play a game. And the tiebreaker is a player, so you get to go. All right, what what planeswalker do I think is going to show up? You know, the, the, in the most copies of, and which large creature, which medium creature, which small creature, and then you have instant sorcery, enchantment, artifact, non basic land, and then uh, and then Pro Tour player. So it's pretty cool little thing that they've just implemented for Dark Ascension uh, or for this Pro Tour Dark Ascension as it's being referred to. Um, I think uh, – I, have, I haven't actually gone through it yet. Any any guesses? Um, well, I think that you know it's kind of irrelevant to uh, have a Planeswalker category because all the Planeswalkers are going to show up exactly once. What do you mean? All the – Magic players. They're oh. powerful planeswalkers. Ha ha ha. Planeswalker cards, I think, is what they're <laughs> to. 
Um, I mean, I think it's I think it's a really cool idea. Are you asking me like who yeah, I, what, what, what would I, got any? I guess do you? Uh, I don't know if you looked at this yet, or what do you think is the the planeswalker that shows up? I think that's probably one of the more interesting picks because obviously so many of the planeswalkers are are really good, and you have something like Soren, which seems really strong and new and and popular, and people might want to pick it up. But on the other hand, you know, it goes in pretty much just one deck, right? And so if that deck doesn't do well, it, de- it really depends on how common that deck is, that black-white tokens deck. And right. uh, if it doesn't do well, then Soren's really not – you're not going to see as much. I think I'd go with uh, – well, just to run down, we've, we've got 13 Planeswalkers right now in Standard. We've got Chandra, uh, Elspeth, Garrick Relentless, and Garrick Primal Hunter, Gideon, Jace, Memory Adept, Karn, Koth, Tezzeret, uh, Soren, Lord of Innistrad, and Soren Markov, Liliana the Veil, vale, and Venser the Sojourner. So I think my pick is Liliana. Yeah. Um, because I think she goes in multiple decks. And and I still think she's really, really good. But, uh, you know, Karn is usually a one-of. So it's even though he's in a lot of decks too, a lot of different control decks play him, he's a one-of. So you don't really see that many copies. Um, I think I'd go with Liliana. Yeah. Um, You're going to go with Adventure of the Sojourner, aren't you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, see, it's tough because there are a lot of green decks popping up, but they're kind of hedging their bets between the two Garricks. So it's like, I think that those decks have ruined the chances of either Garrick making it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Soren. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I I think that's probably a safe safe-ish pick. You know, it's he's obviously really strong, and it's he it's a new format, and so people probably want to play him a lot more too. So uh, I can see I can see Soren being a, a safe pick, but um, so yeah, that's uh, I just wanted to mention that. Check that out on Facebook. You can just type type in Magic the Gathering, search for it, and uh, you should be able to find it. Fantasy Pro Tour game. So, anything else you wanted to, wanted to talk about? Uh, not that I can think of. Uh, is there anything we talked about wanting to talk about that we haven't talked about? There's, uh, there's, you know, we talked about t- wanting to talk about decks that we were going to play. Um, I know you you sketched out a zombie deck, but right. maybe we'll we'll save that for next weekend. Yeah, I don't I don't really think I would play the zombie deck but like i wanted to see what a zombie deck in standard would look like really right um and you know after next weekend we'll have the pro tour stuff so we'll have a better idea of what decks are uh, or you know how the format's shaken out Mm -hmm. and uh we can also you know take a look at the decks that we've you know thought of for the format i mean i've kind of talked about one day this mono red which i've been thinking about for a while yeah um, you know, with a lot of creature-based aggro decks right now, this deck seems pretty well positioned with six sweepers main deck. You know, right? Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm brewing in multiple directions, but I think the one I'm excited. I guess the one that I'd want to succeed most is Mono Black Control, uh, just because it's been so long since that was really a deck. And I guess uh, the, I, I brought it up last week, and I said something about Chainer's Edict. Though we don't really have a Chainer's Edict, but Ruben Bressler, uh, also from the In Contention podcast, mentioned that uh, Sever the Bloodline is a 
is a flashback removal spell that we can right. use in place of Chander's Edict. And it's for some reason I didn't even think of it because that's that's exactly the card I compared to Chander's Edict when it came out and I just didn't even think of it uh, at the time. Upcoming events. Uh, obviously this weekend is the Pro Tour, which we've mentioned several times, but also this weekend if you aren't playing in the Pro Tour, you can come on down to Cincinnati where the Star City Games Open Series will be. I'll be there doing coverage with Jacob Van Lunen, and uh, you can catch it all on SCG Live. I know uh, the Pro Tour is probably going to be pretty exciting, but um, you can kind of switch back and forth. You know, that's, that's the kind of beauty of Magic right now. You can actually go, I'm going to watch the Pro Tour. Oh, they're on a break, or oh, they're doing limited. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to put... Mm. This is what I see, you know, what I'm thinking yes. when I'm like, oh, Pro Tour's in the limited segment, and they're... Okay, I'm going to watch SCG Live. Uh, so, yeah, you can watch SCG Live uh, coverage. You can watch, you know, I don't want to watch Standard. I want to watch Legacy. It's Sunday. Watch Legacy all day on Sunday on SCG Live. Um, but that is only if you can't make it to Cincinnati. Because if you can make it to Cincinnati, come on out and play. Uh, you can catch up on all that Pro Tour stuff later. So that's just this weekend. Um, next weekend... February the 18th and 19th, two GPs. We've got GP Kobe, which is limited, and GP Lincoln, which is modern. That's, yeah. uh, that's cool. I can't <laughs> wait to see the modern format. Uh, Seriously. We've been seeing it in PTQs, but I want to see, you know, here we're going to get a GP, which uh, will have a lot of, again, uh, video coverage that weekend. We've got the Star City Open Series in Charlotte, North Carolina that weekend. And you've got BDBHJ. That weekend. That's right. The birthday of Big Head Joe. Is that what you were? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. What, what's going on at that event? Uh, I'll be turning thirty. Big the big three zero. What it's is not that it? bad, right? Yeah, it's not bad at all. I didn't. I don't really notice a difference, to be honest. <laughs> Still playing Thank with you. magical cards. I just needed to hear it from you. <laughs> it's, I, it's really just doesn't doesn't feel any different. Sure. <laughs> Sunday, and Sunday night, uh, my birthday is Sunday, the nineteenth, and uh, the uh, WWE Elimination Chamber pay per view will be that night. Uh, John Cena versus Kane in an ambulance match. Did you so, put any special requests on that? Like, like, hey, it's my birthday. I, this is what I want to happen. No, I, I, I put in requests off for work. No, that, that works. <laughs> and the 20th for recovery. <laughs> Consider right on. turning 30. Those uh, You feel those hangovers a lot more the next day. Uh, yeah, it'll kick in at midnight. <laughs> turn into a pumpkin. And I'll never be able to lose that pumpkin shape the rest of my life. There you go. So, uh, that's everything for this week? That's a question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you wanted to mention? Uh, I think I've mentioned more about my pumpkin shape than I ever care to again in public. All right. Well, then, that is everything for this week. I'm Ron Burgundy. Wait, no. We are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing? Stop bitching, start brewing.